Let's pray. Father, thank you once again for this opportunity to come with your presence to open your word and ask you to open our hearts as we look at our topic today and see our responsibility as we live in a world that is lost, that is in rebellion against you. Help us to and to take you seriously, to be good witnesses, obedient servants to you, and that you would use us to touch the hearts and lives of those that we come in contact with day by day. Pray your blessing upon this time, and I ask it in Jesus' name, thanksgiving. Amen. Just about, uh, we're talking about this, about being in the world, uh, Titus, we're in a new chapter, and in this passage, Paul is talking to Titus, and he is reminding Titus, this whole thing, this first part is about reminders, reminding us to be in subject to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. All of this, this passage has to do with how we live in the world and how we function in the world. Particularly, we start out this morning with those in authority over us. And we're thinking about that. Yesterday was my first day back at work at Lowe's since I've had my surgery. And it was a good time. My supervisor, Luigi, is an Italian guy. And I just recently got married to a German girl. And his, his um, mother is Italian. I asked him, I say, Do you? Do you uh, like Italian food? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's the best restaurant? He said, well, my mother's the best Italian cook. So I was asking him last night. I said, now, is your wife, does she cook Italian food? He said, no, she's a German cook. And uh, But he said, there's nobody can cook Italian food like my mother. <laughs> but anyway, he's glad to have me back, believe it or not. And we're, we're having a good time. I go back Monday, Wednesday, and Friday this week for five hours a day. So... Uh, I appreciate your prayers in that. Let's look at, uh, turn over to Titus chapter 3. Um, just being aware that we're living in an ungodly culture. Uh, the world around us is becoming more, it, seemingly, it seems to me like more and more anti-Christian. Uh, we, we have the motto, still on our money, in God we trust. But that's more of a, of a motto and not a practice as our nation. Uh, God is not really invited into the public meetings, perhaps. There may be a formal invocation, but then we go ahead and do what we want to do, which is sort of, I guess, what we do, even as Christians, a lot of times. We'll pray about something, and then we'll go ahead and do what we want to do. But at least uh, we are, the Lord has called us to be um, in the world, and the world many times kind of abuses us if you if if that's a bad term i don't know what else to use but it it, it uh, it's not always fair the media is not always fair but then there is nothing that says it's supposed to be fair we're not fairness is not necessarily an issue um, but sometimes the church wants to make it an issue and sometimes we want to fight uh, the rebellion of those and the unfairness of those in the world by using kind of worldly methods, uh, legal procedures to, to force the world to back up and to listen to us. Um, 
in reaction, the church, I guess, in many ways, has lashed out to this uh, the secular trend, using non-Christian tactics to win the legal battle for equal fairness at the courts, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But we are called to be a witness to the lost, and in order to be a witness to the lost, we have to to uh, take what God's word says seriously. So that's what we want to do here. And as I say, we're talking about being subject to authorities. Um, I'm not always in agreement with the authorities that uh, in positions of power. God doesn't ask me to be in agreement with them. He says to obey them. And uh, that's a clear passage. And so we're going to start out with that. We have. We are we are fighting a, a spiritual battle. I think of Ephesians chapter six, where Paul says, "Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in." I think one translation says high places or heavenly places. And so we are told because of this spiritual battle, we are, take, we are to take up God's provision, God's armor, so that we'll be able to stand. Same thing as Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians. We, we don't walk in the flesh. Though we do walk in the flesh, we don't war. This is 2 Corinthians 10.3. We do not war according to the flesh. But the weapons for our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Fortresses are those constructs that are intended to withstand bombardment. And uh, yet we, we um, have divine power for the destruction of these fortresses that are put up uh, by the world, by the world system, by false systems. They're put up and we destroy them destroying speculations and every lofty thing that raises its head against the truth of God, the knowledge of God. And this is kind of where our battle is. This is a spiritual battle. In the text we're going to look at, um, where we're not trying to reform the government or punish the system, but to reach the lost, um, we're, we're, Paul's going to be directing Titus to remind us of some things and there are four things in the text that I see here one he's going to remind us uh, to be careful how we live because of the world and then he's going to remind us um, of what we were like before salvation when we were in the world what it was like before we were saved and then he reminds us of the the content of what it means to be saved and then he's going to remind us of the seriousness of this call that he's calling us to do. So we just start, first of all, there with that word reminder, which does, that's a good translation. It means to remember, to put in mind, uh, to remember something. Paul says at the beginning of that text to Timothy, to Titus, he says, remind them to be subject to rulers. That, by the way, is imperative, which means that this is a command. And it means that it's to be done. We are to be reminded by the scriptures to be subject to rulers. Um, it's also in the present tense, which means it's something that we are to do habitually. We are to habitually be reminded by the scriptures that we are to obey those in authority over us. And that, I'm, I just want you to know that that does, in fact, step on my toes. Um, 
there's a lot of stuff going on with COVID, uh, taxes, a lot of things that are going on that I don't, I'm not a big fan of. And to be honest with you, my response to a lot of fact, I was at work yesterday for an hour before I realized I was there working without my mask. I just didn't put it on and nobody said anything to me. I don't think they really noticed it, maybe because I don't wear it very often. But um, then I realized as I, as I was watching people come through the line. So I, after they finished, I went back and got a mask and put it on just kind of because this company could actually get in trouble with the government authorities and stuff. But I'm not. I guess I, I guess we're all rebels. I know that I can be rebellious at times about some things like that. But um, we are told here that we are to be uh, reminded. It's imperative continually as a as a habit um, to be reminded. That's that's not unusual. Peter talks about the fact that we're going to be talking about. Uh, Peter said, "I want to stir up your sincere mind by way of reminders." That you should remember the words spoken beforehand. These are reminders, things that we are reminding ourselves. We already know, but we are just reminding. We kind of need that sometimes. Mm -hmm. We we kind of get out away from under it and do at least I said we I get out from under that, and do sort of what I want to do and sort of be independent. God's not happy with that. And uh, he's 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 telling us that we need to take these things seriously. So first of all. He says to remind them to be subject, and because of the, this is uh, the imperative and it's a present tense, you could repeat that. You could say to be subject uh, as a habit, as a way of life. Be subject to rulers of the authorities, to be obedient uh, habitually as well, to be ready for every good deed. Verse two, to malign repeatedly as a habit, no one to be peaceful, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. That's the text. We won't get out of that text today, but that's where we are. And so first of all, he says to be subject to rulers. Um, I think of, in fact, you can turn over if you want to, to Romans 13. We might, might be good to just camp on that verse for a few moments. Romans 13 is Paul's word to those of us who are independent. <laughs> and uh, the Lord is, the Lord of the universe is telling us that those in authority over us including the president of the United States has been put there by him. Now, he did not consult me before he did that. He wouldn't have done what he did. <laughs> this is being recorded. Yes, it is being recorded. And I can just tell you right now, God knows, he knows how to take us behind the woodshed and he knows how to get his way. And he, he knows what he's doing. He really is. We talked about this morning in Sunday school. He really is smarter than we are, even me. <laughs> uh, much smaller. So, uh, and he he uh, he didn't he, and he didn't think didn't feel the need to consult me about this or you for that matter. And uh, he doesn't make mistakes. He's not coming back. It may look like it's a mistake. In fact, it does many times. And and the, the parameters and the conditions are so extreme that it is hard for me to imagine. If we were to have a comedy or or some kind of a story that we would come up with two extreme opposites for positions of authority, it would be it'd be hard to exceed what we have in reality. But yet God is there; He's behind it, and He's doing it, and He's working, and He knows what He's doing, and He's not making a mistake. And so we kind of have to trust Him, don't we? We have to just kind of ask Him to have His way with us and to do what needs to be done. 
and uh, we will cooperate with him because it's, it's important. So here we go. He says, uh, Romans 13, if you have your Bibles turned, he says, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority, get this, has opposed the ordinance of God. And they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause for fear of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do not as evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on one who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. And because of this, you also pay taxes for rulers or subjects of God, devoted the, devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what is due them, tax to whom tax is due, custom to whom custom is due, fear to whom fear honor to whom honor all right so these are these are all what let's quickly just we're going to read through them your head will be spinning by the time we get through with them but anyway let's just look at it first of all first thing he says there is that these authorities are established by god he said every person is to be in sub subjection to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from god and those which exist are established by god the authorities those that are in positions of authority are in fact established by God. We may question that at times. Uh, we may ask all kinds of questions and they say make little jokes and things like that. But the fact, the fact is, the Bible teaches that they are established by God. God is able to put whoever He wants in office at any time, in any way, and He's able to remove whoever He wants in office. And if you need a passage to check on, just go to Daniel chapter four. Look at the example of Nebuchadnezzar where Nebuchadnezzar was the highest office in the land. And he could do whatever he wants to. And God told him ahead of time and said, Neb, I'm going to take you out of office. Uh, if, you, if you're not doing what you need to do and you're not responding to me, I'm going to remove you out of office. And he did, took him out of office. He became for seven years, I think it was, mm -hmm. uh, like a lunatic. Like that. There is a medical term for that. I don't know what it is. But then he restored him which is to me is, is probably as about a big a miracle as anything because when somebody of that power becomes a, a person that's incapable of leadership, all these vultures come in and they want to take over. They didn't take over. His, he was restored. His sovereignty was restored and even greater. God didn't allow nobody to take over. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. God didn't do it. That's right. And so uh, that, that's just the picture that, that, that he says these these powers, this is a step, the authority is established by God. Secondly, so therefore, whoever resists authority is opposed to the ordinance of God. To resist authority is opposed to God, his ordinance, his standard. I think about that when you get a speeding ticket. And I, I've told the officers that I get a speeding ticket. I said that you know, sometimes they don't even apologize. I said, well, that's all right. I said, you're God's agent for righteousness. And he is. He's God's agent for righteousness. He's appointed by God. And that's, that's, if I resisted him, I'd be resisting the ordinance and the, the priority of God. And so the Lord, and so that's, that's really important. Number three, he says, those who oppose will receive condemnation. That's on verse two. Um, 
those who oppose will receive condemnation upon themselves. And, uh, you know, we, we want to obey the Lord. We don't want to disobey. We don't want to receive his condemnation. We don't want to be displeasing to him. I've often thought uh, of how easy it is for the Lord to take us behind the woodshed. I mean, he really knows how to do that. He can really do that. He can get, I mean, we are, we, sometimes I think I'm pretty arrogant, sometimes kind of prideful, independent, so like Clint Eastwood there with the, in the movie where he's got, you see the shadow of him with the gun as he's walking down and this tough guy, but we're not tough. We're fragile and uh, the Lord does not, it's not a hard thing for him to humble us. He can yeah. do it so easily with such a little, look, one of the girls last night was walking out of the door and, uh, and she was, she was walking back. I said, uh, Eddie, you, you look like you're drunk. She says, no, I'm just dizzy. And I'm thinking, my goodness, I mean, you can go through life and all of a sudden you get real dizzy, head starts swimming. It doesn't take just nothing to take your day and bring your day crashing down on you and just just make you realize that you are not the one that's in charge. God is. Um, number four, uh, government is intended to restrain evil and it is not a cause for fear. And we might think, and, and I do because of I perverted that it's not restraining evil it's promoting evil but what he's saying is that you have society that is to function together and the government is there to kind of maintain peace and keep it going and keep it functioning the way god wants it to function and as you see society falling apart it is an indication that society is going through a moral crisis and it's, it's just letting us know that god is it's under judgment god is bringing another judgment and we can see that can't we we can see that in our country we can see judgment coming, and uh, we know, and you were talking about this morning, both the conservative and the liberal media bias, they both are in the game. They're both promoting a lot of stuff that's not good, and uh, I just think that, that, that the Lord is telling us, bringing the hammer down and letting us know that he's in charge. Now, he may, we may, he may back up and do some other things. I don't know, but I do know he's the one that's in charge, and I, I do think that he's letting us know that we need to repent. We need to take him seriously. He is on the throne and he is holy. And he expects his people to be holy. And we're the key. I think the church is the key. And we're the ones that, that God's people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face, turn their wicked ways. So, anyway, uh, the point is that the government and the authorities are there to restrain evil, to maintain peace, so that widows uh, can live at peace at times and, and maintain some degree of, of uh, safety at home uh, in spite of what you see on the news. And so it's, that's the, one of the reasons for it. Goes on number five, they're also designated to promote good. Uh, that's what he says, where well, it is a minister of God to you for good, not just to restrain evil, but also to promote what is right, what is good, to maintain that. And um, believe it or not, God is able to do that. And he is working in society to do that. Let's move on. We're almost out of time. He said, um, "It is empowered to punish evildoers, uh, but if you do not you do what is evil, he'd be afraid. For he does not bear the sword for nothing. That sword for nothing is capital punishment, by the way. Which, um, if you, it sounds kind of harsh, I know. But when you have all these things about policemen shooting somebody who's running away like that, they have God's permission to do that. Hmm. Believe it or not, and uh, we can, we can." Come have a tizzy or whatever, get all upset. But if you ask the Lord, the Lord said, I gave that gun, 
I put him in authority, and he has my permission. If he runs away, to shoot him. Like it or not, there it is. And that's what it means to have that, the, that sword, not to bear the sword in vain. In other words, they can use capital punishment. And um, we can, we've seen that in scripture, by the way. We've seen that with nations and leaders and things of this nature. Um, number seven, believers are to obey for conscience sake. Um, I think the conscience, personally, is one of the, the most neglected and abused uh, issues that we have because the conscience was given to us by God. We need to train that conscience and mold that conscience from the scriptures, but the conscience is there by God's appointment in us, and we need to listen to it. And uh, being the scriptures, that's one of the things I've really, really been appreciating with the Colossians is that, that the, I mean, uh, Psalms, is that in the Psalms, David has been pouring out his heart about the greatness of, of God and the work of God and and uh, his majesty and his glory. And I just appreciate so much the heart of David as he's been exalting the Lord and magnifying the Lord. And so uh, the conscience bathed in those kinds of texts really react to me as I'm reading the scriptures in the morning. I read them out loud and uh, it, and, and I just really enjoy um, magnifying the Lord and praising his name because of who he is and what he's done and what he's going to do. Um, and the conscience is there to, to confirm that. And sometimes when you're going through, uh, get ready to do something or say something you know you shouldn't, the conscience comes up and you stop listening to it. And then all of a sudden you say, no, I need to listen to my conscience because otherwise it's going to get hard and get, and get calloused. And you don't want that. You don't want that. God, if, if your conscience gets callous, then you don't have that stop sign or that fence at the edge of the precipice, and you can just plunge over, or you risk the Lord maybe taking you out behind the woodshed and using some stronger, something like a two-by-four over your head or whatever to get your attention. So it's important. And then uh, lastly, uh, we're told to support the government uh, with things like taxes, which is probably something that we don't like to talk about. Um, but because he says you also for this you also pay taxes for well, rulers are servants of God now that that might be a good part of the verse to underline there is that rulers <laughs> the rulers are servants of God that means all the way from the president all the way down they are servants of God they're devoting themselves to this very thing render to all what is due them tax yeah pay tax to those that are due Custom, yeah, pay custom to those that are due. Fear, yeah, I, yes. You driving down the road, you see a policeman, what do you do? You look at your speedometer right away. Check it out. Yeah. Uh, and the last one, which is something that sometimes I think we don't do, is honor. But the positions of, like the president, for example, which we, I've been very bad at saying things that I shouldn't say. And yet he's, there is a, a sense in which the position itself is a position that deserves honor. Even though you may not necessarily like the person, whoever he is in office, the position is a position that respects honor, and so you need to, to show honor to it. So this verse here tells us that the church is in the world, and uh, that we are in the world primarily to have an impact, and one of the ways that we have an impact is through our obedience to those in authority over us. Now, I'm going to stop there. We got. We can talk about being obedient. We can talk about none of the things. We're gonna have to get that come down to that next time. But this is really enough for me 
because I, I need to be reminded that I am to be obedient to those over me. And you need to be reminded too. We do need to take this seriously. It's easy to overlook it. And so um, I'm going to close this in prayer. But if the Lord is speaking to your heart about that. This is, you might not call this the gospel, but it's important because it's obedience to the Lord and our obedience to the Lord. You know, you, you, you can't have a very effective witness to those in positions of authority if you're always bucking at the system and complaining at the system and griping at the system and stuff like that. So if we are obedient and we comply where it is necessary, then uh, where, the, where they're telling us and it, it, it fits within the rules and the parameters of what they're telling us to do, then we need to take that seriously. Father, we do thank you for this word this morning, which is one that I know we all really need to hear. Um, it is easy when we don't want to do something to rationalize, help us not to do that, help us to be obedient from the heart, and uh, we have a desire, and that is to glorify you. And we understand there's a tension because sometimes the things that are being commanded are not being commanded honestly, and that there's a lot of uh, power play to control the church. And yet you've told us that there are things that we need to do to you. And so I pray that you'll give us your wisdom and help us not to, to um, rationalize our way into doing what we want to do, but to really honestly seek your face and seek to serve you and honor you and please you. And the ultimate goal, Lord, is to be a good witness to those around us. And I pray you'll help us do that. We had people here uh, yesterday, a lot of people around here, and we were talking to people and sharing to some degree with them and witnessing to them and finding out all kinds of things about them. And yet we want to be a witness because we want to reach them, not just to get their money, but really to see their hearts come to love you and serve you. So help us to be serious about that. Help us to be available to those around us. And to thank you for this opportunity that you've given to us to be a display of our commitment to you by how we obey and follow those who are placed in positions over us. And we pray this in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen.